here I am, somebody who, you know, wants to just have a home here and you're you're telling me I can't join because you don't believe me and you don't think my my lifestyle is godly enough. The church and how it had been structured around our lives had been holding us back from being healthy people and from being who we actually are. Kind of find that separation and understand that that sense and that purpose and that drive doesn't have to come from church. It should be a part of the church is to welcome people to be exactly who they know themselves to be, but just not there yet. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual D and re construction. Season two, episode 14. The source we carried with us. Can you hear me? Yeah, apparently I'm technologically challenged. Yeah, this thing, it makes it hard on people. <laughs> it's an awkward, it's an awkward system, but it, it it's working weird. sometimes. <laughs> so is this, this is... This is... Awesome. Well, this is Kevin. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Kevin. And, um... I'm uh, I'm assuming well I'm not I'm not going to assume anything. Um you know <laughs> the format is what it is. There's not a, a ton of time and uh so it's your time though. It's your platform and um you can tell me some of your story or were you a listener during season 1 at all? Um I actually I found this through Exvangelical and I the first episode I listened to was the one with Derek Webb and I was like damn this is this is me, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, I just started listening to Airing of Grief um, a couple days ago after I finished up the Derek Webb Exvangelical episode, so. Cool. Yeah. So did so were you uh, someone who knew his work before that, or? Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church, and so I listened to Cademan's Call and listened to God of Wonders on Mad Repeat, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. so... I honestly didn't know where he had come okay. as far as he is now. And so it was like kind of a relief mm. to, I don't know, not, not like, oh, good, the church, you know, caused him strife too, but like kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, guess, I mean, if you find, if you find some peace outside of something that was causing some distress then it's you know it can be good news to hear that uh, other people have found some of that same release i mean right so you you were you were raised christian what what's some of that background look like for you uh specifically like was it a particular denomination or yeah i was raised in the nazarene church and there was never really another church it was kind of if you want the right church go to the nazarene church um Mm. And so then I went to a Nazarene college, um, but it was very, very much just church was life. Like mm-hmm. everything kind of revolved around that. 
we didn't go on weekend camping trips because we would miss church. Um, we couldn't participate in club sports because we would miss church. You know, it was very much James Dobson, Christianity, mm. you know, raise your kids right and keep them away from the world and keep them immersed in church and demonstrate how important God is and how God's the only thing that matters and really how religiosity is the only thing that matters, I think is what I learned. Yeah, because there's a lot of fear in that. There's so much oh. fear uh, with, with when parents are like that. There's so much fear that you will be corrupted or influenced by the world, which is funny because the, they should be more concerned with the influence you could be, like as, as a light or as love, but that never seems to be what, what takes hold. Oh, yeah. Like we had a Pokemon burning night at my house. Wow. Where, yeah, where we like watched the evil melt away in the wood stove and... <laughs> We, my dad had us memorize verses on a three by five card. We had like a little, a little ring and you could just like flip through all the verses you've memorized and very fear driven. I would lay in bed terrified that I did something to piss God off that day and that I would like die in my sleep and end up in hell. Mm -hmm. And that was like a pretty regular thing. And I thought it was normal. Yeah, so you end up you end up getting getting saved every Sunday and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I I came out of a, not a Nazarene church, but but somewhat similar, you know, in that in that regard. So I know what, I know what that means. How long has it been that you or when did you start to really take that apart and dismantle it and and decide maybe that wasn't going to resonate for you long term? Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I so I think pretty similar to a lot of kids growing up in the church as you go to college and even if it's still a Christian college I went to a more liberal Nazarene University and so I encountered a lot of different ways of thinking of faith and ways of um, maybe God works in different ways and isn't so black and white um, and actually one of my mentors who ended up causing the most pain um, kind of introduced me to this idea that maybe Mormons worship the same God and maybe Muslims worship the same God, you know, like, mm. like challenging me with these different ideas that my dad just kind of shut off. Like they weren't even options. It's mm. just the way my dad talked about the world was very much, this is the way things are. And so I just kind of accepted that. Like, like he was kind of God's spokesman in a sense. So that's, and you said your mentor, was that, was when you said that, when you referred to that pain, was that a good pain then? Or was that just, you happened to learn something good from someone who turned out to be toxic? Yeah, I think I idolized him. Um, and so he ended up, I used to be a pastor and he ended up being, he was kind of God to me. Like I thought that he told me, you know, God's calling you to be a pastor. And so I took that to be true. And looking back, I think I replaced God with either my dad's voice or my mentor's voice and didn't really like check in with myself. Like, is this you? Is this 
what you want or are you just trying so hard to gain God's approval and you trust these people to tell you what God approves of and what he doesn't approve of. Hmm. So, yeah. so, so then you, but you said you used to be, so I guess what happened, <laughs> I, I um, did too. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I think I, I was very much always in church leadership. I, you know, I played the drums in my youth band and then that carried me through to traveling on to summer camps, playing the drums. And, um, I was on all the leadership teams and I was in the planning process and I, um, my mentor saw like preaching ability in me. And so I started preaching once a month and I was good at it. And I had a, a good mind for it. You know, I could draw connections and I could, um, I enjoyed the study of it. I enjoyed meeting with people. So it just felt like, well, this is the life I've grown up in and I have naturally gravitated towards this leadership role and so why not just be a pastor you know yeah so we started um after i graduated we started a church in san diego um and the main premise of it was we want to be an inclusive community for the lgbt people Mm -hmm. in our neighborhood i was like that i was scared to tell my dad that that's what they wanted to do um and at that point it wasn't, you know, I had, I had grown up in a church where it wasn't an option to be gay. It just, if that wasn't something that God approved of, then that just wasn't something I was going to be mm-hmm. because I wanted God to approve. Um, but yeah, as I started hanging out more with people who had come out and who had struggled with what that looked like in a Christian family, I started to resonate with that more and I started um, not being able to sleep and I had like a checklist of all the reasons I wasn't gay and I would like recite them in my head before I went to sleep um, because I just needed so badly to be what God approved of which really was what my mentor and what my dad approved of. Mm. And so you know, eventually I, I brought this up with people and I said, you know, I'm scared of this. And they would write it off and they'd say, it's because you're hanging out with lesbians. And so you think about it more or um, ju- just not listening to me. Mm. And, and eventually I found someone who, you know, I said, I'm, sometimes I'm scared about this. And she was the first person to actually hear what I was saying and be willing for that to be an option, you know, not to just write it off. And, um, and it was complicated because she was at that time in an abusive marriage, um, very emotionally abusive. And we started talking and kind of bringing out our our own personal fears and she was starting to find her voice and I was starting to find my voice and we were kind of realizing that the church and how it had been structured around our lives had been holding us back from being healthy people and from being who we actually are Mm -hmm. Um, and that it's ways of elevating really in, in both of our situations the straight white male pastor 
um, that these, their ways of viewing the world were holding us back from who we were. And so, you know, I, I came out and they said, you can be celibate and ask for forgiveness or you can quit. And I think once you find who you are, it's so freeing that to think about going back is terrifying. And I quit. Um, and there was just a lot of systemic powers of abuse that happened in that situation to where, you know, I'm not really, I'm not in the church anymore. And not to say where I'll end up one day, you know, but for now, I've, the people who I trusted the most were the people who caused the most pain, which makes sense, but. Well, yeah, I mean, the people that you let that close are going to be able to hurt you all the more. Right. But that is, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. The, um, oh. It struck me while you were saying the, the thing about, you know, the, that you're gay because you've been hanging out with gay people is, <laughs> is well, A, I mean, it's bizarre and hilarious, but it's the same <laughs> folks that would say that to you that would also say, you know, just hanging around Christians doesn't make you a Christian. You know, oh. it's like, it's amazing how that, how that narrative changes conveniently. Right. Like it's like, you know, like you just caught it, like it was some sort of virus. Right. Um, <laughs> And that's a that, but that's a that's for sure an ongoing theme I'm hearing a lot of is this like this embodiment thing of 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 how empowering it is for all of you to be in the same place for the first time like you know all of me is here and wow yeah like yeah you can't go back from that no matter oh, yeah. no matter what what yeah. uh what is thrown your way to be scary or whatever else Hey there. Yes. <laughs> awesome. It's Kevin. Hey. How are you doing tonight? I'm all right. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I had wondered if anybody would want one of these later call slots. <laughs> yeah. No. So I'm a reporter. And so I'm like working. I work like crazy hours. And so when I saw that there were like evening slot or like night slots, I guess it's past evening. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was jazzed about it because it works with my schedule. So that is awesome. As is someone else on the planet who uses the word jazzed, because I, <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one a lot of the time. Oh, no. Well, I'm here with you, so. <laughs> so you're you're a reporter. That is... I am, yeah. That is cool. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I actually um, am thinking about switching careers entirely, but for now, being a reporter is great, so. <laughs> well, that sounds like that sounds like a segue. Um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, it does. I, so you've been a, uh, a listener to the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I um I've been I, I actually it's kind of funny. I um found Derek and the podcast and his music and everything kind of on accident. Um mm. I um I didn't really know about him until probably about two years ago. Um and when I heard his music and read his story and then, you know, found this podcast, I was like I don't know, I just felt like it was 
a perfect kind of summation of some of the things that I've felt and some of the things I haven't, but it kind of gave me permission uh, to that it's okay to feel this way and that, you know, these these, um, this kind of questioning and deconstruction is, is allowed. And I found him through another podcast on deconstruction and it kind of just kind of spiraled from there and has, uh, kind of really helped me and, um, been a guide for me too. So, well, that is so cool. That is so yeah. cool. Um, well, I would love to hear some of your story and what brought, what brought you to that place. Yeah. So I moved uh, to a new town about two years ago uh, for the first time away from home, um, five hours from my family. And I was really struggling hard to adjust to living to, you know, in a new place. And um, I struggle with anxiety and depression, and that was hitting really hard. And my whole life, I had grown up in um, a pretty liberal, accepting Methodist church, and but like the evangelical bug kind of hit me hard. Um, I was the girl in high school who wore Jesus T-shirts and went to every you know Christian music festival <laughs> and carried my Bible in my backpack. I was an FCA leader. I was an intern at my church. I preached at 17. I was preaching in my church and. I was convinced that uh, church, finding a church, was going to fix this struggling to adjust to live to a new in a new city oh, and being yeah. away from my family. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, God was going to fix this. Um, and so I found a church that I really liked, um, and it was a non-denominational church, which was way different than the Methodist tradition that I had grown up in. But, you know, they had the lights and the music and the everything. Oh, yeah. um, and my boyfriend, uh, who was living with me at the time, um, we, you know, I kind of drugged him along. He grew up Catholic, so he was kind of like, eh, I don't really care. And <laughs> I was like, well, we're going. Um, and, you know, I found myself still struggling uh, a lot. And so I actually... Um, sought out a therapist and um kind of through that I realized that um I you know not only was I struggling with this because being in a new place is hard but I had some pretty I had a pretty tough childhood um I grew up in an abusive home mm. and my mom was uh physically and verbally abusive to my sister and I don't think I realized it until I was kind of sitting in this office talking with this therapist mm. and, and, and just to your sister not to you to me and my sister. Oh, okay. Um, and so I, I don't think I realized that, you know, that was, and part of that was because, um, when things had happened with my mom, there were some instances where, they, you know, uh, physical abuse had escalated and it just didn't sit right with me. And so me being really close with my youth pastor in high school, I went and I asked him to meet with me and he graciously, you know, said, sure, we'll meet and talk. And I told him everything. And he kind of said, well, did you call the police? And I said, no. And he goes, well, if the police didn't come, you know, it might it might not have been that bad. And you're, you're 17 and you're going off to college soon. So, you know, there's really nothing we can do. It wasn't that bad. And then later that night also called me and um, told me some ideas that he had thought of, of ways that I could maybe not make my mom so mad that she would hit me with a chair or whatever. Um, yeah. And so I just kind of shoved what happened with my mom down because I thought this this pastor that I trust and that I you know adore um, doesn't think it's that big of a deal I'm overreacting flash forward to living in this new place and I'm realizing you know somebody a therapist for the first time tells me you had an abusive childhood I was like damn like and this pastor this person the safe place that i was supposed to go to 
didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was struggling with that, and I was still convinced, though, like, you know, finding the right church, I'm going to have this sense of being okay, this sense of belonging. Um, And so we really liked this church. Um, Well, I liked it, and I dragged my boyfriend there every week. (laughs) And um, we wanted to join the church. And so we uh, went to this new membership class and, you know, we learned a little bit about the church and, you know, how it works and everything. And he's, the pastor said that he wants to have, you know, one-on-one meetings with everybody um, just to kind of get to know them. It was a larger church, so get to know them and hear their faith story before officially accepting them to members. And, you know, it played it off real casual and I was like okay that sounds normal to me I grew up in church and you know people meet with the pastor all the time Um, but what I was not prepared for was for him to call my boyfriend and I in and to start asking us questions about our sex life and us living together and telling us that he doesn't think we're living a godly lifestyle Um, asking really private personal questions that are none of his damn business to be honest Mm. um and you know asking us these questions and then for him to tell me that i'm you know living not living godly lifestyle and you know we kind of told him for personal reasons you know why we actually had chosen to live together but we're not sleeping together and he laughed and said he didn't believe us and i just as a woman um that was really offensive that you know somebody wouldn't believe me about a choice that I've made and mm-hmm. you know kind of scoffs at that but also like somebody who's supposed to be you know this is a church that welcomes addicts in for a celebrate recovery every you know week this is a church that you know claims to be you know if you've fallen away from church come here and here I am somebody who you know wants to be super involved and wants to just have a home here and you're you're telling me I can't join because you don't believe me and you don't think my my lifestyle is godly enough. I was, I mean, I was told I was living in a gray area of godliness, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is <laughs> just Whatever really bizarre. Is. Right, yeah, I, I don't know. And so, I don't know, I just, from there, I, I got really mad and all this stuff was kind of surfacing and I was, you know, working through anger at my mom and, you know, my church back home for not doing anything with that. And then this church here for kind of, you know, judging me about this and, you know, just not feeling welcomed or like I belonged. And I just my whole life thought that church was going to fix everything. And that was, you know, where I was supposed to turn to. And so a friend suggested a podcast to me about deconstruction and I um, was on some road trips and so I was binging it and then I heard uh, Derek's uh, episode that Derek was on and I was like, whoa, like this is somebody who's come from like being super into it to super not. And I was <laughs> Su- like, <laughs> super into it is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is... I- I was like, I, you know, this is, this is me. I, I could relate to that. And just, you know, this podcast I was listening to and then hearing his story and then now listening to this podcast and realizing that there's so many other people who are going through this and going through much, you know, difficult, more difficult situations than I have. Like, it's just given me a permission slip to question, to be angry, um, to not know, but then also to still have hope, I think, which, mm. um, 
And it's just kind of, I don't know, I, I'm kind of somewhere in between now is what I say. You know, I get real uncomfortable when friends from church back home tell me, oh, I'm praying about this, or this is what God's doing in my life. I kind of get uncomfortable when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have This was the first year I didn't go to church on Easter Sunday, and I actually felt relief. Like in my whole life, you know, I've gone to church <laughs> every Easter Sunday, and I didn't this year for the first time, and I felt relief. Um, mm. I... I sometimes see going to church as an obligation, but I also have this kind of hope uh, that, you know, I read in the Bible growing up about this Jesus who accepts everybody. And, you know, even if they're in a gray area of godliness, whatever that is, you know, he accepts (laughs) them and welcomes them. And I have hope that one day a church will maybe embody that. um, And that's what I hold out hope for. But it's tough sometimes to, you know, when I realize kind of what's, you know, when I see that and when I kind of hear other people's experiences, too, it makes me really question. Right. Yeah, because it sounds like the institution has sort of failed you on a number of fronts. Right. But right. Your, your hope is still in the central right. thing that the institution supposedly gathering around. That's right. what, you know, like Derek always asks, like, you you may have it or may have dismantled your your appreciation for the idea of a community or a faith community Uh or the institution of Christianity. But where that leaves you with the whole God thing is, is kind of different for everybody. And a lot of people reconstruct with or without God. And and I think the through line tends to be that it's healthier regardless when we Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to ask the questions and go through the process. It's like even landing somewhere close to where you started, it's going to be a much healthier way to view that, that place. But it's hard yeah. because if these ideas that have always historically been clung to and celebrated by a community are not embodied in a right. satisfying way in any community, <laughs> then it's right. like, what good is the what good is the esoteric belief system? Like, wh- how fun is that alone? It's really it's, right. it's really only in the application of community where it it's embodied and means anything. Exactly. So yeah, it's tough. It is. It is. And it's, I don't know. And that's why I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm the first to admit that, you know, maybe what I haven't been through is not, is not as bad as what other people have been through. But, you know, it, it does. It, it affects you. And, you know, when you spend your whole life thinking that, you know, church is this happy, positive place. And then for the first time ever, you've got this male pastor and you're in his office and he's, you know, basically telling you you're not godly enough because you live with your boyfriend and everybody's going to think that that means you're sleeping with him. Like, that's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I got it in that moment why people, you know, my whole life, I was I couldn't imagine why anybody would not want to go to church or why they would fall away from this and God is perfect and all this stuff. And then I realized, like, this isn't perfect and this is exactly why people don't. And this is exactly why people are turned off. So, I don't know. Yeah, that that desire to control other people is so scary. Right. When you think when you think he'd be so glad that anyone wanted to come around and right and um, you know that he would keep something else even if he did believe that that something else would be way more important than right than 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 drilling you guys about what you know right. what your current lifestyle it's just it's so it's so strange to me how many it people is. that's that's where they go with it like it, it's it's very strange and then laughing at the idea that even what you said to him is like right. is that that projection of him you know, right. like, I can't do that, so there's no way you can do that. Exactly. I mean, that was said. <laughs> like, that was all, you know, I mean, that was pretty much said. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy to me that I, so many people just see this as like, 
you know, that you have to follow all these rules. Well, no wonder nobody wants to, you know, but young people don't want to go to church. If somebody's mm-hmm. going to sit there and tell you what to do, I just, I don't know. And that was, that was a big wake up call for me. It really was. And, you know, I live in a really small state where a lot of young people are not flocking to. So to have a young person who wants to join your church and is joining the young adult groups and your small groups and wants to be a member, I thought that they would have jumped at that. <laughs> but, <laughs> not, not quite. <laughs> so, professionally, like, how does that how does that work for you? Was it um, was it faith that sort of led you to want to go into journalism in the first place, or? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I wanted to go into journalism because I really like talking to people and hearing people's stories and. Um, I was really into that. Um, I, I would say I kind of felt like, oh, this is, I would tell people, I feel like this is what God's calling me to do. And, you know, I was in high school and I declared my major and have stuck with it. And I just felt like, you know, that was my passion. Um, but now that I feel like I am in a um, healthier space, you know, kind of with the whole anxiety and depression and live, my relationship with my mom, I'm still working on that. I'm still going to counseling with all of that. It's still very much, you know, something I'm working through. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that is what has kind of led me to want to make a career change. Um, I love journalism, um, but I want to help people and I want to help kids who were in a situ, you know, who are in situations uh, similar or worse than mine growing up. And I want to be the adult that listens and believes a kid. Um, and so I am going to be studying social work um, with the hope of doing something with child welfare after that. So, I mean, what has that looked like for you on the other side? Like, um, Cause how long has it been since since you quit? Uh, it's been almost three years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I when I quit, pretty much everybody had taken the side of my now wife's ex husband, um, and so I I moved up to Alaska from San Diego and. I started over as me and I've separated myself from the voices that were hurtful and abusive and I've created boundaries for myself and it's so weird going from a life of like consider everybody else before yourself to like you matter too Mm -hmm. and it's okay to think about what you need and for it to be inconvenient for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been one of the most freeing revelations for me because really when I am tending to myself and helping myself be the best version I can be, then I'm way better for everybody else. Right. Um, so yeah, now I'm going to school. I'm getting my, I was in the middle of my master's of divinity. Um, and so I stopped that and I just recently started my master's for marriage and family therapy um with an lgbtq specialization so yeah it feels it feels like me wow and you're gonna be a lot of good to a lot of people incidentally so yeah that path. that's awesome thanks really cool
I've done some volunteer work in the past two years and have really kind of developed this passion for helping kids. Um, the state that I'm in is just riddled with an opioid crisis right now and um, children are suffering immensely from that. And yeah. so I really, really feel whether or not I'm called or this is just what I'm, what I want to do, um, I feel like social work is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm kind of making a switch, um, but I'm really excited about that and nervous and excited for the opportunity to kind of be that person that I needed when I was younger, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing. Thank you. And it's, and it's, <laughs> it's so, it's so cool how often people can find what they knew to be their faith in ruins kind of shattered around them and still mm -hmm. do something so positive. Like it doesn't, it right. doesn't take away from who you are like inside right. who you who you mm -hmm. are driven to be and the change you want to see in the world uh it's it's a lot of people frame the idea of people walking away from a certain belief structure or church attendance like all of a sudden they're just going to be living like roman senators or something yes and, yes and it's like it's so not true it's 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 no. for so many more people it's a freedom to actually embody their conscience and and feel accountable and responsible for the the world they want to see, and right. that's that's a really beautiful thing because because that's what 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 the whole faith religion thing was supposed to accomplish in us anyway. Exactly, and that's what you know. I can look back in high school. You know, my identity was so heavily dependent on the fact that I went to my church, I was involved, I was a leader in all these different groups. I was, you know, rocking the t-shirts and the youth group, whatever. But like. I was, my identity was that. And so I feel like that's why when, you know, someone at church told me what was going on at home, isn't that big of a deal? I was like, it must not be because I was just so wrapped up in this. I was this church. I was so wrapped up in that identity of being a member of that and a part of that. And I think that I've been able to realize like, no, you're your own person and the kind of step away from that a little bit and kind of find that separation and understand that that sense and that purpose and that drive doesn't have to come from church or, you know, and even if it, even if it is a relationship with God or a relationship with Christ, like it doesn't have to come from being in a community of faith, um, especially if it's an unhealthy one. Right. Especially if that community <laughs> of faith is literally standing in the way of, yes, of togetherness exactly. and, yeah, and right. movement. <laughs> right. Oh, it's definitely encouraging to, to know, I mean, it's so cliche, but to know you're not alone, you know, mm -hmm. that people are feeling the same frustrations and anger and doubt and sorrow, you know, like it's, it's your life and then your life is done as mm -hmm. you know well you know that's 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 one of the things i keep hearing too because and it's and it resonates for me personally as like you know being someone who was raised in the church and that's all i knew and mm -hmm. out of high school i went straight into uh, ministry and straight into pastoral internship and bible college and all that stuff and mm -hmm. and i've noticed from the people that that we're talking to that write letters that call in people like you it's like there would be a tendency with the people who are still very devout in their beliefs to think that this is all the people who didn't take it seriously enough right. but, I, but i find time and again that we are the kids who took it seriously we're the only kids who took oh. it seriously and you know we were, were the kids who always stepped up and 
put ourselves in places where we could be on the hook for for leading things and mm -hmm. teaching and doing music and all this other stuff uh where we tried it harder than other people did right. and you know so it's like it's not this like oh of course they don't believe anymore or they don't believe like i do because they were nominally involved it's like no these were the people <laughs> who plunged in the deepest exactly yeah and, i have that on my notes i i put most devoted like I was the most devoted Christian, you know, we, like what you said, we go, it's like a, the most perfect path that a Christian could take, go right into the ministry from church leadership. And yet here we are. Right. Yeah. And to this day, I still have friends who, who still believe in more conventional ways who are like, you're so hard on the church. You're, you know, you're so critical. And I was like, I earned that right. You know, right. you, <laughs> You go to church maybe three or four times a year if you feel like it, and it's just sort of part of your traditional whatever. Or even if you go, it's like, I earned that right. It's all I've done with my life. And, you know, I've earned the right to be hurt by it because I invested everything I was into it. Um, right. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be guilted or shamed for that. I, you know, I deserve a reckoning with the thing that has defined my existence. Right. But yeah, it is yeah. it is wonderful to know, you know, that you're not alone in that. That um, whatever happens on the other side, you know, in however ways we can still get people together, this is just our very strange way of of recongregating. But yeah, right. <laughs> whatever it ends up looking like on the other side, I think there's something there's something beautiful taking place because this is happening all over, you know. Right. And that is that is heartening to see. Um, especially with people being just willing, like, like in your story, just being willing for the first time to discover themselves and then live in, in honesty. Right. Um, if that isn't the baseline of who we are, then why, why exist at all? You know? Exactly. Yeah. To be, to be able to be proud of who you are for the first time instead of trying to hide it or push it away or, you know, commit suicide because of it. You know, that's, one of the most freeing things and that should be it should be a part of the church is to welcome people to be exactly who they know themselves to be but mm -hmm. just not there yet yep yep like your, your baseline identity should never be a bargaining chip when right. uh, you know in the extension of of community that's it's just a, the sick reality of our time but, that it often yeah. is wow well, I mean, I, I'm so, so glad to be able to talk to you and to get to know you just a little bit here. And um, I wish it could be longer, but I have to, uh, to move it along. But thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share with us and, and for everything. It's really, really incredible to hear from you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. All right. All right, bye-bye. So, yeah, that's kind of... That's been my kind of journey the past two years. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot in two years. Yes, a lot. It, it is. I just I, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I was like, "This has only been two years, and this is this is quite a lot." So. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take long to. It's just like in the real world when when a house is demolished. That part doesn't mm -hmm. take too long. Right. Building something in its place takes a bit longer. Right. Oh yeah. I think mm -hmm. I think of deconstruction a lot because because a lot of people talk about deconstruction like it's real painful and it can mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. um, it can be for people who are are super in touch with with particular aspects of of 
different things that not right. everybody is. But mm-hmm. but for a lot of us, it's really exhilarating and and right. And in my case, like I was deconstructing and reconstructing a lot at the same time and, and actually mm-hmm. doing so within the construct of faith. So I found it very fun until I yeah. got to sort of the end of that portion of the process. And okay. then I realized I was I had remade an entire house without ever evaluating if I actually wanted to live in it still. Mm. And that was the, the people who, who skipped right to that question mm-hmm. um, <laughs> seem yeah. to, seemed to have gotten to spend a lot more more time on the, the crucial question. Where, yeah. where I find myself like, oh, I didn't even consider that. But that you know, right. <laughs> oh, if you yeah. are interested in the in the Christianity model um, house, then I do have the best floor plan <laughs> that that I can imagine, at least that I've been able to put together. If you are interested in that, I uh, you know I've been selling it, and I didn't even realize okay. I wasn't sure I wanted to live in it myself. <laughs> and you know, a lot of that yeah. happened to me while I was actually a professional Christian, but. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it is different. It is different for everybody, and you get mm-hmm. you get falling down uh, a certain direction, and you pick up a lot of momentum, and then there's those slower moments that come, and they last right. forever. But yeah. but it's all it's all good. It's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know any decent and deliberate people who who emerge on the other side of that not better, regardless yeah. of where they mm-hmm. land. And that's an encouraging thing. Um, yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> so it is just important that we remind each other that that we all are here, that we exist, that a lot of us have had really similar experiences and right. you know, been burnt by church leaderships and, mm-hmm. and people in the same ways. Yeah. No, and that's just what I feel so, you know, why I feel like this is really empowering to me is just, you know, once I kind of realized like there's a crap ton of people out there who <laughs> actually feel the same way that I do. Like it was, it was kind of relieving. And like, I was like, this is okay. And I was kind of shocked, you know? So I don't know. It was, it was relieving to kind of, and very encouraging to find this kind of community of people. Well, that's encouraging to hear. Yeah. It's really, it really means a lot to us when we hear from people that it matters yeah. to, uh, cause it matters to us. That's why we, that's sort of why we yeah. started doing it. And then we realized it was, it was bigger than we thought. Um, right. So it's just, it's really neat to uh, to hear from you and to talk. And Yeah. And, uh, well, I no, would like to keep... Thank you so much. Yeah, I would like to, um, <laughs> if, you know, if some interesting development happens or you find yeah. uh, some particular avenue of, tr- of social work, I'd love for you to drop us a line and let us know how that's going. For um, sure, for sure. And, and, yeah, but thank you for taking time and, um, and sharing yeah. some of your story tonight. I really appreciate no. it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. And I think what you guys are doing is awesome. So, Well, thanks so much. You have a really good night. And hopefully we talk some other time. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to everyone for listening and joining in this conversation. If you're a new listener, you can visit theairingofgrief.com to see more episodes, companion pieces, and to learn more about who we are and what we're doing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It all works. Star reviews on iTunes are always greatly appreciated for how they can help make us visible. You can check us out on Patreon as well. And a huge thank you to all of our patrons making this possible. 
We're launching the new group forum this week and really excited to see more opportunities to engage and celebrate each other. Last thing, we may be doing a few more openings for calls very soon, so be on the lookout for those or send us a letter. We would love to hear your story and process that way as well. That's all for now, so we will see you again next week after church for the airing of grief. Thank you.